0: Hello, hello, welcome to this one oh, last vlog, a podcast where I, Michael, and his time first guest, Logan. will not say his last name, that's probably bad, but <laughs> that's probably... I'm ever running in that. And uh, today we're gonna be I think talking yeah. about both the Five Nights at Freddy's movie it's fine. Okay. Yeah, and the Five Nights at Phrase movie and the Marvels. Um because we're both parents and we're talking we talk about our stuff. So. Posters. Oh, yeah. Posters. <laughs> Background. I'll so find out definitely. First, um, I kinda wanna talk about a little bit of us because not much has gone on with I mean, really, it's just the university. Um and like, Logan, you can say that time has passed by pretty quickly. So. Yeah, with final assignments. <laughs> I need to get this drafting assignment done. <laughs> yeah, he's in Peter, the I'm, as you guys know, in media Arts, um, so yeah, it's been very stressful. Um, I have, like, minimal assignments, but, like, large in scale and work, and he has, like, I, I have a lot of it. assignments, but they're not as much work, It's yeah. like,
1: uh, the biggest one that we have so far is drafting. A room and then building the room in 3D, but there it's just a lot of assignments on top of each other, they're just not
0: horribly timed and except for the one, yeah. And um, but I mean, I we we do keep each other like busy outside of that, I think, because we're starting a D&D thing, yeah. That'll in, be in uh, January, probably, yeah. But um, yeah, so that should be fun. we I'm gonna find my best guys to like rent it and stuff. Um I'm gonna talk with this guy and stuff about it But that's like in a while. Yeah. So good work things out with our other players. Um I'm playing a blood there by the name of. Um, um I like to think of like Travis Um, cause it's like the, the death god i um that my character's like worshiping name is Amentis and it's like a lot of death imagery in like movies and TV is um, like, not no, not deer and stuff like that, Got, like skin blockers and things, so, yeah, um, and obviously, he's DMing, not obviously, but, <laughs> yeah, first time ever DMing, so, it will be set
1: in the world of Exandria, yeah, I, critical, for, can you say that? Yeah, we're not, we, it, we won't it's not cover. we're not doing it, yeah, yet. So. Yeah, you can say that. Yeah, it'll be um, it'll be set in the world of Critical Role, just because I'm a massive Critical Role fan, and just as my first time DMing, as well as with school, it'll be easier to do a pre world, a world that I know really well that I can just set people
0: into and then go over with it. So, yeah. and also for DMing, you're very—I I never hear the word, but like pedantic. What does that mean?
1: Oh, pedantic? (laughs) That's basically, like, being obsessed with the tiny details of something, like, um... I guess particular is another word for it. Yeah, like, in the show, I'm actually the... Into all the pedantry, but, like, the big thing of the question about Scott Pilgrim, the statement was that Ramona works for Amazon.com when she actually works for Amazon.ca. That's pedantry right there. (laughs) Um,
0: yeah, that's kind of... Honestly, I, I know that, um in my other episodes, that this section has kind of gone on a little bit more. I'm gonna, in the future, I'm gonna try to not do that as much. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh? Okay. (laughs) Okay. Um, yeah, I'm gonna try not to have these, like, first little banter sections be so long, because I know, I mean, first of all, Yes, so, um, because of that, but also because I tend to ramble a lot anyway, so it's (laughs) not the best moving forward, so I'm going to try to rework the test, yeah, so I guess in that nature, um, so the marbles, we both saw, um, so, I mean, I really
1: liked it, and I know you did. I, I really liked it. Well, Uh, I definitely, it wasn't obviously like top tier no. Marvel and stuff but it's not nowhere near the bottom of things. I really enjoyed it and it had a lot of fun with the movie, which like, I know it was obviously should be really lonely and there, it was a good movie, but it was just a lot of fun anyways. It was, and especially Amon Valani, she was excellent
0: as Miss Marvel. Yeah. I mean, I, and I really liked the Miss Marvel show despite like, I did too. Yeah, I never I never listened to the like reviews of things or just any pre like I guess like pre cog like the preconceived notions. Free cog. <laughs> fuck am I saying? Minority of <laughs> um, <laughs> I never listened to the preconceived notions of like other people and stuff. Uh, anyway. But I just with Miss Marvel was getting all this undeserved hate. Um, especially from, like, the so-called fans of Marvel who um, are very sexist and stuff. I do think
1: Ms. Marvel could have benefited from a longer season. I do feel like, um, since they did devote a lot of episodes to just building up, like, her background as well as, like, having an entire episode pretty much dedicated to the villain, it would have benefited from a longer season similar to, like, WandaVision or She-Hulk or like getting into the future with Daredevil form again I, I think a lot of shows would benefit from the longer season because like the six episode format it works with the Loki in that like it, it's comparing the two, Loki was created as its own self contained story so they knew they had six episodes 8 plus 6 or 12 episodes to tell the whole story but with Miss Marvel they created it <coughs> for two things. A, to introduce the character and build up and try and tell her own story while also setting up the marvels. So I think it suffered from having a shorter season while also having more to do in setting up an entirely other movie.
0: And also with Loki, it felt like, you've seen Umbrella Academy as well, it felt like... First two seasons, yeah. Yeah, it felt like, because with Umbrella Academy they had this thing to do each time, and with Loki, it's pretty Mm -hmm. much the same. Um, and Loki
1: terms- turns out to be one of the best things the MCU yeah. ever created. Like, yeah, I, I don't think I've like. There's not a lot in the MCU I genuinely like dislike. I find a lot of th- I find a lot of good things in a lot of them. Like, coming as a comics fan, uh comics fan primarily, it's. I always think the comics are better. Like, many book fans always think the books are better, which is for the most part true. Like. I always try to find the good things in movies, but there is just, recently there's been something that don't, like, like, I, as you know, I had didn't
0: even finish Secret Invasion. I, I couldn't finish, finish Secret well, Invasion. Well, i finish it, I just, because me and my sister are very much, like, we kind of find the fun in making fun of it and stuff like that, so we kind of, as the show went on, and the, well, as the show worsened, <laughs> as it continued, it just, we did not like it, but I, it was a good character study of Nick Fury, I found seeing the whole picture of the show, um, but like, you don't and it, that's where titles come in, and people don't often talk about titles like, and how important they are but they are Secret Invasion <laughs> when you're,
1: when you're naming something after one of the biggest events of the past 20 years in comics. Uh, in comics that had a vast build-up to it, and then it has nothing to do with the comic series whatsoever. Like the the director himself of the show said that like it says based on the Marvel comics, yet he himself said he didn't even read Secret Invasion. So like, how are you going to do it without? It's also it's also something the MCU suffers from because they didn't have the rights to all the characters when they started it there's a lot of events they've had to do that didn't have a lot of the characters like uh, Civil war had what 14 superheroes fighting against each other and like that was a universe or, like worldwide thing and like th- there was a lot of points that were central to the comics that they just couldn't do which I don't I don't blame them for doing it like that because that's how they had to do it because of the of, what they had to work with, and it still turned out to be a really good movie, but, like, it just, it just sucks that we'll never get to see, like, accurate, on-screen
0: adaptations of the thing. Yeah, and that's where, like, that's where I come in as a um, as a film, like, as a film creator and someone who's in, someone who really likes movies and stuff, where I can see the, like, know, workings of what's going on sometimes and stuff, um, and I don't, I didn't read the comics as much as Logan, and I, like, um, I love them, I'm, like, obviously as a huge nerd, but I never, I, I don't, I don't have as much knowledge as him to compare it to, and I never, like, think about it when, I guess I have some things that are way less, like, some fandoms that I'm in. That are much more, I guess, compact. Um, for example, Umbrella Academy. It's a weird case where I saw the show, and then in my high school library, the graphic novels by Gerard Way. I read those, and those were way better. And I start comparing them when I would watch, whenever we watch stuff or whatever. Um, but like, I don't know. It's just a thing of like some mediums of art just have, such
1: divides Yeah, I did, well, I did the same thing with, like, Game of Thrones. I, uh, well, I, it took me three tries to watch the whole show because, like, I watched the first season, like, three, two times before I actually continued it because I'd I'd watched the first season get to the end and then get completely sidetracked with something else and this would forget what happened. So I had to watch it, like, watching that show and experiencing that was awesome, because, like, in my opinion, it's, even if it eventually ended up being bad in the end, it's still, like, for a long time, it was one of the best, like, shows on TV. But going in now, as I'm reading the books, and I'm on Beast for Crows right now, the fourth book, there's so, the books are just so much better and well-written, you can see how the showrunners just were like, nah, fuck this. I swear. I swear. Okay, okay. Um, Like, because Dumb and Dumber, as we call them, the showrunners, they wanted to decrease the amount of magic in a fantasy show. And I'm like, how are you going to do that? You're going to decrease the amount of magic in a fantasy show. They cut out such key things from the show that make the book so cool. And, like, I'm not even going to get into it because that's not what the stream is about. But, yeah, it's, it's interesting to see the divide you can have between... Uh, the divide you have between a medium, whether it's a physical, written piece of work, whether comic or book, and the adaptation on screen. Because, like, even there can be, like, if you look at the case of, like, Big Hero 6, or Days of Future Past, those both are nothing like their source material, but is still really good on its own. So... It, it is a thing of you want to sometimes stay true to, in my opinion, with it. You either want to, if you're using the name of something, you either want to completely separate yourself from the comics and do something original, mm-hmm. which a lot of the time works out. Namely, sorry, namely, Big Hero 6 is the big one, or you want to try and follow it as accurately as possible, like Lord of the
0: Rings or something like that. Yeah. And, um,. Um and like with yeah with the the marvels um like I'm sure I'm sure ninety percent of that stuff wasn't accurate like
1: oh well, yeah like <laughs> well like the the relation it's 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 again it's a thing that they did with like changing characters is like Monica Rambeau in the comics was Captain Marvel long before Carol was Captain Marvel and so she had she uh wasn't she wasn't there. Earlier, because Carol was Miss Marvel since 19, 1965, I think 965 But like when Monica was introduced in nineteen eighty, or in the eighties, as a second Captain Marvel after Marvel died, um, it was like a. This was the eighties, and they were taking one of the biggest heroes of the of the Silver Age of Marvel and turning it into. A black woman leading, and who eventually became the leader of the Avengers. Not long after that, like it was a big character like that. but Like the Marvels itself isn't really based on anything, though, other than the character, like the characters themselves. He's like Monica as Photon, and Carol as Captain Marvel, and Mala as Miss Marvel. Like Darben, um, Darben actually, funnily enough, was fairly accurate to the comics. In that, in like her backstory, like in the comics, the, the man, or, yeah, it's a male Kree, who during Operation Galactic Storm, he and another Kree basically took command of the Kree Empire after the Super Intelligence was destroyed or something like that. And so it was accurate in that, in that there were soldiers that took over um, after the Supreme Intelligence was destroyed, but there wasn't much about him written, so, um, oh my god, I just blanked on the director's name. Nia Costa. Yeah. Nia DaCosta, Nia Costa and the writers could completely reinvent her, which I do think was a good idea, but I also wish they'd gone a bit more in depth with Darben as a character, mm-hmm. because I feel like, while I did enjoy Zoe Ashton's performance, I feel like she did maybe fall into some of the pitfalls that a lot of Phase 1 villains had, where they weren't as developed as they could have been, and ended up being kind of like a darker reflection of the hero. Like, even phase two, yeah. Phase two is well, like if we look at like Malakir or even Aldrich Killian, even though I, I like Iron Man 3, I've used to Like, those villains they ended up being not as well developed as, say, Thanos or Loki or uh Wen Wu and Shang-Chi. He's like in with Darben, we see in her flashback, she was a Star Force soldier who
0: she's so she's the inverse of Carol basically in what happened. As you we were talking about, like, the shows, um, like, and I'm glad that they won't suffer as much. Intent, like with the thing of um, that, there's there's going to be a specific show runners reach. Right? That yes, yes. That was
1: after the debacle of Secret Invasion. They've kind of been like, Hey, yeah, we're going to actually do this yeah. how it should be done. And of course, with the strikes and stuff. Yeah. Um, He's born again.
0: <sighs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh God. Ooh. They better have turned and foggy and better not kill them off in a stupid way.
0: Yeah, and it's, um, it's a thing of, like, I understand development hell, but I also understand, um, at the same time as development hell, just, like, caring about a story and not caring so much as, like, of the, of other, like, uh, inner workings and behind the same kind of stuff, just kind of uh, I mean, that's, I have a bias towards like just caring about the story but like, I don't know why it gets so overlooked sometimes mm-hmm. and that's that's where the Marvels comes in, because everyone because the whole phase 4 stuff, um, I'll say is because everyone went into it, probably, maybe I don't know, but like the thing of Not expecting much. Well, the thing is that I find with people's
1: reactions to Phase Four is a lot of the a lot of the common criticism I've been seeing is that people complaining that oh Phase Four isn't leading to anything, and I'm like, yeah, it is. It is. (laughs) Yeah, it's just subtle, but like they're saying that because of how the first three phases work with pretty much every movie. Having some connection to the overarching Infinity Saga story, which yeah, it was what nineteen up to Endgame was like nineteen movies that were all connected in some way. But the issue is that they're they're going for with Phase Four at least what I'm seeing is they're going for more of a comic booky approach now to the MCU in that. Hey, we had the Infinity Saga. We created this vast world of a connected story to introduce you to the Marvel Marvel world on screen. Because Marvel Comics, of course, has been going since the 30s, pretty much. So there's almost 100 years of content there. It's like, we want to introduce you to this Marvel world on screen, make it a little bit more accessible. But now that they've introduced the world, They're going at it in a way that, hey, you've got this world, let's populate it. Let's populate it with a lot of characters and tell their individual story. But I think that because of the arc format they set up in the first three phases, people are accustomed to every single thing being connected and not a thing of... And everything's leading to something in Secret Wars. Whereas it can be something of, we've got one story that's being let up, but on the meantime, in the size, we have a, new characters being introduced, new storylines for them introduced, which is, like, I'm really glad they introduced the Marvel Spotlight banner that they're doing with um, Echo and leading into shows with Wonder Man, because it gives them, because with that banner, people will know that, like, hey, this is go- this don't expect this to be connected to a greater story. This is based on this character that's going to tell just their story, which is why I'm really excited for Echo. Echo looks really
0: good. Yeah, um, and like the the Marvels, it's a thing of um, it continues. why well, the way, spoiler, like heavy, heavy spoilers.
1: Oh yeah, we're the, af, <laughs> the after scene will be talked about. <laughs> we should so talk much. about this. Yeah, that is <laughs> the that is the thing that we want to talk about is the after scene. So um,
0: yeah, because with with these <laughs> these wait, 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 wait. um oh. <laughs>
1: Here we with here we go, we can we can beast. with this dude right here, we can chill uh, with him.
0: With Beast and, uh, of course, binary. Oh my god, are you here? I don't have <laughs> binary. I don't have <laughs> <the, I don't laughs> <the, I don't laughs> Captain Marvel here. With Beast Absolutely and actually, we have Captain
1: Marvel.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Nothing with binary. Okay. okay d- to this. With with these Binary it can it's the thing of it leads into a larger universe in a way of or multiverse. Yeah, multiverse. Um in a way of like it doesn't feel and I understand the multiverse fatigue thing because it is, it is true. Um like across Spider-Verse they very uniquely in a storytelling way of, like, that the multiverse is a cloaking mechanism, and it's a it was a very interesting way to tell that story, um, and with the marbles, yeah, sure, called, like, a, called what it is, but it's not, it's not just, like, a cameo or whatever, it leads into a much, much larger story, which, um, with a lot of characters that that we like, and it's the it's the Marvel and the nerd, like, the superhero thing of, that we love all these characters coming together and fighting this bigger, like, evil, and, like, we get those chills, and we, like, hear the themes, and hearing the horror yeah. movie, theme was, and, was so nice. And, like, it's a thing of like, I saw that the CGI was better with these, and I saw that, like, the writing was better with this movie, and it's, like, and the uh, coincided with the strikes being over, and it's uh, it's a very special thing of like not only Marvel's back, like with the energy and the whatever, but it's the like film is back in a way because it's um, I think it's like the like magic of it, I guess I would say, um, and people actually caring about what they do and. Stuff like that, so I, I think I really noticed that. It mm-hmm. definitely,
1: like, uh, especially now that the actors are, of course, allowed to talk about stuff. It's it's really nice to see like Brie and Tayana and uh, Iman and Zawe like talk about how much they enjoyed making the movie because, like, you could tell on screen that if there's if there's one thing to say about the movie above all else is that the chemistry of the main three was insanely off the charts. Like I, I've seen people talk about this, this is the scene after uh, Aldana. That's the planet scene, the singing planet Aldana? I think yeah. something the the singing planet with uh, Park Seo Joon, who I hadn't seen anything of him before this movie, but he was he was really good. So I made you look at some more Korean movies to just check him out. But uh, like after they did that, and like I've seen people talk about how they went to this like basically a cornfield planet that was entirely. Used just to have like conversation between the three, but like I know that that was, that was a little weird, but the conversation between those three was so important because, like, rather we'd seen that Carol and Monica were a little annoyed with Kamala coming on a little strongly as a fan, and there was that tension between Carol and uh, Monica of Carol having not returned and uh, Monica just waiting, but like. The chemistry of those three throughout the entire movie, leading up to the emotional climax, where even where Monica, to Carol and Kamala, sacrificed herself to save the universe. Like Carol, of course, you'd expect to be devastated. This is her. Practically, this is her sister or her like daughter daughter, daughter figure um, that she she helped raise as a young child. But Kamala was devastated as well because she'd seen how powerful and amazing Monica is as a character. So to see that development throughout the movie of, oh, Kamala's just the super fan too. This was this was her first team. This was what made got her into the superhero. Because it was really it
0: was really cool to see. Yeah, and I um I really like the fact that you didn't need to see. You should have seen *WandaVision* before, but you didn't need to because it was such a and sort of like fucking film whatever comes in. But the whole thing of that it wasn't just about like a superhero thing, but it was a relatable thing of this person comes back into your life and you don't like like you see them as the same person that you knew, but then um, and it's especially a parent with like siblings i relate to it very heavily but it's a the thing of um like seeing how far they've grown and um and like it's a very relatable thing of seeing that person seeing how far they've come and it's um and then uh by proxy that family is just blood and that's a very of a sucker for that kind of stuff as well so um i love that and then like with Monica and her mom uh, Maria, who um, from one edition we saw, um, whatever, passed away <laughs> with cancer. Um, I guess you can't get something but um. Just sticking here it is I
1: literally it just came to me. It is that's how um, Marvel dies in the comic? Is yeah, that was the big thing. Is the first Marvel graphic novel they released in, I want to say, or it was early 1980s or late 1970s, but it was, it was Marvel graphic novel number one, and it was The Death of Captain Marvel. And it was basically, the entire point of it was how tragic the death was, that this is not how superheroes should die. Superheroes should go out saving the world. They should go out fighting these powerful robots, monsters, villains, that thing. But it was cancer that got Mar-Vell. It was It was basically like, I forget the exact cause, but he, I think it was something to do in the world world, something where he was saving the plan, and he went to like irradiate, something with a lot of radiation. And it caused him to get cancer, and so the entire comic is about him reconciling with that fact and talking with all these other heroes. Until they have, until he does die, and they have his funeral. That this is not how heroes should go. I, I forget the exact line, but I think it's something that Wolver- I think it's something that Wolverine says um, about it. But yeah, it's like this is not how heroes should go. This and it has a great. Like, the Marvel graphic novels from the from the twentieth century are great. Uh, God loves, man kills, New Mutants. That's stuff. but like that. It just connected that that could maybe be an adaptation of that saying how Maria in pretty much every other universe we've seen is a superhero. And in this universe is a superhero to both Carol and Monica. And yet it is cancer that she beat once but it came back again. And that's what finally did her in which is is a sad parallel. It's such an amazing thing because I um, think it's such a good in real
0: life connection because of, um, the fact that, like, if the multiverse is whatever, like, <laughs> the, like, real or whatever, like, here in real life, but you can say whatever you want about that, but the real thing is, like, people who need that stuff, people who die that way, um, I mean, my man, so, like, my dad's grandma, um, had cancer, like, I have cancer in my family, so... My Nana just died this year from cancer, so... Yeah, so I... So it's a very real thing to us, um, and I never knew mine, um, like, I guess you did. Oh, yeah. But, um, it's a thing of, like, that is really a, like, heroic thing, and it's a very real thing of, like, you don't have to <laughs> yeah, be fighting robots or whatever, um, to be super people. It's like a thing of just that inspiration and, like, the daughter and that's and her daughter and her sister, so, uh, Monica and Carol seeing her, like, just smile and, um, Past, knowing that like her strength was instilled in her sister and her daughter. It was a very powerful thing. And like and then to go back on that parallel stuff that Logan was talking about, it's like she says that to Carol, and that's like early on in the movie, I think whatever. whatever. Um, and then like towards the end, it's a really when well, you know it's a good movie <laughs> It's when the meaning of that parallel doesn't need to actually be said with words. It's because when Monica is like hovering above, like as photon, and higher, further, faster doesn't need to be said. Um, and we know that's because Maria is saying it in Monica's head, and that's a very, it's a very powerful moment. That's probably my favorite moment in the movie. Um, and yeah, that was very good writing. Oh, that one bad. <laughs> Flurkins. <laughs> Flurkins. <laughs>
1: Flurkins.
0: Probably. That was it. That's the funniest it, the, That
1: was an <laughs> extremely powerful and amazing scene in the movie, which was amazingly done. But the funniest scene, in my opinion, <laughs> is the fucking baby Flurkins with um, memory from cats playing. When that scene came out, I saw the movie with my parents, and I was sitting in between them, my mom on my left, my dad, and my right. I looked at my mom and both my I looked at my mom, we were both howling with laughter. My dad had the most what the fuck expression on his face. But it was the funniest thing ever because <laughs> it's just something you wouldn't expect. Like, I mean, I I could see it coming. I saw it coming and told my mom I was like, the the are gonna swallow. But, like, I was not expecting Memory to play, but it's such a perfect song, but it's also hilarious because Memory in Cats is such an emotional song, um, in that it's Grizabella singing about how she doesn't think, like, she's ever going to be chosen to go to the heavy, uh, I can't remember the words, uh, heavy side layer, I think, I think. Um, is singing about how she's been around so long, she doesn't think she's gonna get there. But then to take that emotional song and polarize it with baby Flurkins swallowing the Saber members was so funny and so good that like, yeah. You know, and I just I would love to imagine what the Saber Saber uh, workers were
0: thinking. Oh, we're gonna get swallowed. <laughs> yeah, and it's. Um... It was actually very cool to see like the different cultures in *Saber* two mm-hmm. Like, to see it the was, *Guardian*. Yeah, it was kind of crazy to see like how far this universe has come, like in 15 years, and we're 18 now, and it's well it's been for a while. But,
1: but I saw, I saw *Iron Man* in theaters when I was three. <laughs> I don't remember it. But I saw that movie, the only MCU movie I haven't seen in years, is incredible. But yeah, I saw Iron Man when I, eight, when I was three, so I've literally grown
0: up with these movies since the very first one. For me, it's different because me and my whole family saw the first Avengers when it came out that summer in our local theater. fourth, two thousand twelve. Yeah, and then seven years later, you know, family stuff, whatever happened, it was just me and my sister. Endgame, and it was, like, seven years later, it was a very powerful thing, and, like, then, ever, like, ever since 2012, I've never, like, no matter how mid or whatever a movie is, I don't know, <laughs> um, Toronto, no, anyway, uh, no matter how mid or whatever someone says a movie is, I still never, like, the magic never loses me with the intro, and I never, like, like, me and my sister are still like, oh, we're seeing a Marvel movie, and, like, there's still that excitement there, and it never offers,
1: Yeah, that's the thing, same with me and, like, my dad and my mom, is that, um, I mainly go to see them with my dad, uh, that's the thing is between us, where, uh, he's the one who got me into all this, but, like, my mom is also a really big fan kind of these, so whenever she can come see them, uh, Jeff, like, I saw Civil War with her, actually, first and saw Captain Marvel for her birthday. Uh, I, I got us tickets to go see that on, for her birthday. I can try and team like, so we're, we're all like this. Like, it was named after a superhero,
0: so. Wolverine. Yeah, it was named after Wolverine.
1: <laughs> and even though my mom and dad have differing opinions, my dad says that my middle name comes from Cable, but my mom just says she likes the name. So, we'll see. We'll, we'll, her right. But, um, but yeah, and like, no matter what the project is, my dad and I always have the same opinion that, like, no matter the reviews, we'll go into it, um, we'll go into it with a fairly open mind to see what it's like, like, Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania, and Love and Thunder, I both, like, comparing that, those both got fairly negative, or not fairly negative, but, like, they, they didn't get the best reviews when they first came out, so when we went to see them, I still wanted with an open mind. Didn't end up liking the movie all that much, but, like, It doesn't take away from future movies, like, I'm just as excited for watching Echo and especially Deadpool 3 and, like, all this stuff next year. Which, what is next year? Is Echo... Is it Agatha next year? Yeah. Yeah, it's like Echo, Agatha, freshman year, um, Deadpool 3, well, what if it's this year? Yeah. But, like, I'm still excited, I'm as excited for all those projects then as I was for, like, Endgame. Maybe not at the same level because of the stakes of Endgame, but, like, it's, no matter the movie, I... I personally haven't ever felt Marvel fatigue just because it's surrounded me my whole life. As a comics reader, it's always been a part of my life. So I'm always excited to see the new thing, Um, and I'm always excited to see where they can go. And it's a thing as well is picking up on little tiny details that they plant in the movies that um, the discerning fan might not pick up on. My big thing was in the Marvels is... The bangles that Kamala Khan and Dar Ben have in the movie are revealed to be the quantum bands. Which in the comics, the quantum bands are the key item that the superhero Quasar uses. And Quasar is one of my dad and my like favorite characters. He's really cool. And or actually I should they are really cool depending on which version of the character he is, which technically Quasar doesn't appear to me in Guardians 3. I don't know. But um it's really interesting to see the things like that. I I don't know if they'll go the same way. It would be cool to see Quasar coming with the quantum bands. As we saw that Kamala doesn't need the Bangles to use her powers. It just awoke them. So hopefully we can see that, but yeah. Yeah, like, the mutant gene. Yeah, the, the Bangles awoke the mutant gene, which I'm not going to get into that. How, are, not, how am I feeling on that? But yeah. Like, it's never, I've never not really been excited for any new Marvel movies. It's like, I it's just. It's cool to see these superheroes that come from the artwork on pages created by Stan and Jack and Steve and everyone else that works and to see them come to life on screen, which is, and it's been a long time coming, is why Fantastic Four has so much behind it. Especially with, hopefully, Pedro can do the movie because I think he'd be a great Mr. Fantastic. Yes. Um, yeah, if people didn't know. Who could possibly be watching this that Pedro Pascal is being tapped to play Mister Fantastic if his schedules for Gladiator Two and Last, last of, of Us, us season, two, season two allow him. So hopefully, but yeah, like Fantastic Four is Marvel's first family, and we haven't really had an amazing movie from them ever.
0: We had amazing, like the first. The first I Fantastic would say, Four was good. The first forty-five minutes, I would say. 2015 one felt very fantastic for it it did and then it yeah like (laughs) well that's thing is i
1: still believe like the fantastic forecast from 2015 could have been a really good casting like michael b jordan as mr As, as johnny storm human torch was really good casting but it's just that it suffered from bad writing so much studio interference that it just ended up being shit and like I still I go back and watch the 2005 and 2007 Fantastic Four movies and I still have a lot of fun with those and they're really good to watch but, they're really campy but they're really good cool. yeah they're really campy <laughs> um but I'm, I'm really excited to see and I just hope that Doctor Doom is not the goddamn villain because I love Doom but we need more Fantastic Four villains
0: it's like it's like the thing of Batman and Joker mmhmm um X-Men and Magneto like, yeah even though Magneto news literally like, I guess Spider Man Great oh.
1: Yeah, that's the thing is, like, that was a big thing with Amazing Spider-Man, too. With what happened is that they had Electro as the main villain, and then it was like, oh, we're doing Green Goblin again, and not even that. We're doing The Night When Stacy Died. And it's like, I could have seen that being the finale to the trilogy. If they got a third movie for Amazing Spider-Man, I think it would have been better to do Night When Stacy Died in the third one. 31st scene of like
0: MJ or something. Well
1: yeah, like Shailene Woodley mm-hmm. was cast as MJ in Amazing Spider-Man 2, but she had all her scenes cut. Like it would have been it would have been interesting to have like Electro, We have Lizard in the first movie, Electro in the second, and in the third one, say we have Green Goblin, but we also have we, we Venom Sinister Six was a separate movie. Yeah, it would have been an M-
0: as well,
1: maybe. Well yeah, there was there was it was basically the plan was to be there's gonna be Amazing Spider Man, Amazing Spider Man Two, Amazing Spider Man Three, oh, a Sinister Six movie, and there was gonna be a
0: Venom. Venom was gonna get introduced as well. They were basically gonna do their Venom first but with Andrew, and then the he, the whole thing got kind of scrapped. Well yeah.
1: It was and it, there was there's been um I don't know how true they are, but there was like leaked emails about possible castings about um the Webverse, which Tom Hardy apparently was supposed to play Sandman, which, in a leaked email. I, I don't know how real it is, but yeah, and Alan Tudyk was supposed to play Carpenter. be great. But yeah, they were basically going to do the Sony-verse,
0: but actually with Spider-Man. Yeah, which they, I don't know, I, I think, I feel like they've lost a lot of fans at this point, but I feel like they could still I'm possibly. here for Venom Three. I'm here yeah, for Venom Three. They possibly still so could put a little little spider in there, mm-hmm. and I'd be really happy to make Madame Web the spider. Really? Okay. Well, they could.
1: Oh. <laughs> um, How did we get here to this conversation? I don't even. We talked. This section started by
0: Flurkins. Yeah. Um. But I really like the Marvels is over. Yeah. I mean the <laughs> the the humor was done really well in it, and I. Like, like Thor and Thunder, like Logan was talking about, I, like, I really, I didn't, obviously I didn't love the movie, so really did, but I, <laughs> I did enjoy the humor going into it, like that first night, like theater experience, and it was, it was funny and lighthearted, and yeah, it, and then obviously as time went on after I saw it, it wasn't what the story was. There was too much They too went much. overboard I mean, it's literally gore like, they're Yeah, they're, <laughs> when you're
1: tackling both gore and the Jane Foster cancer story you can have the lighthearted comedy because you always need that to balance out the drama but we literally see gore the god butcher kill one god on screen and one off screen and like, there's like no emotional weight really, to um, Jane, like, she, it's obviously there as a part of her character, and Val is pretty much the only person that knows, like, Thor doesn't know, um, but there's not a lot of emotional weight to it, um, it's emotional, of course, when she, when she dies in Ghost of Valhalla, but, like, I feel like it would have been built up more if there was less comedy and more drama and attention to that. Because that was the thing I was most excited for when they announced that Jane Foster would be back Would be them tackling the cancer story because of how impactful it was And it just felt like it didn't end up being as good as it could have
0: been Yeah, like maybe they could have had a reverse of like Thor dying And like Jane being the main one and that being the emotion And then <laughs> her dealing with the fact that she'll die soon and that would be the whole thing.
1: I I think they're also gonna. I think she. They might bring her back as Valkyrie, like as one of the
0: Valkyries. Like she doesn't. She's in the comics right now, but I don't know. But the, with the yeah, with the Marvels, the the humor really allowed itself to like like for example, a great thing was Miss Marvel seeing seeing her do the comic thing of using her scarf. Yeah, that was um, that was cool because. And then, like, on top of that, seeing these, like, <laughs> fucking music, musical, like, soldiers just murder the Darbyn's, like, men and stuff.
1: Which, honestly, one of those underrated jokes, in my opinion, of the movie is, um, is a Carol saying that her husband was bilingual in that he could just speak normally. I think that's, that was really it's well very done. Funny. Um, I, ju- I honestly, I just wish there was a bigger musical.
0: That's just the, the theater kid. That's just you. <laughs> yeah, that's, um, but yeah, I I really liked the movie and I think I think it has the the Marvel magic in a sense, because I keep saying that, but I think the Marvel magic really means like just having a fun time but also just really um, leading into why the characters exist in the first place, which goes back on Spider Man, I think, really. I mean maybe like there's like the first character when it applies to. You. But the like the thing of protecting those who can't protect themselves. I see, yeah, like Fantastic Four was the first, like,
1: modern Marvel, thing but they were mainly about Atlas. Well I'm yep. modern Marvel, but like Atlas comics and timely comics was different because that was a different era of like storytelling, but with Fantastic Four they were mainly based on like space exploration and defeating their villains for the purposes of the greater good of the world as well as science. But Spider-Man in 1962 was like the first one to be like, hey, we're gonna have an ordinary guy, uh, a teenager, which a leading teenage superhero was unheard of when Stan and Steve created him. That like... um, But have him just be this ordinary kid from Queens who wants to just... Be friendly neighborhoods
0: I don't know It was It's like that Yeah And then with Like with Kamala Like I People hate the Avengers game I do But I Like the main campaign Really Accentuated her Like really highlighted The meaning of her character In the sense of She didn't want these powers um, She didn't want the terror genesis to hit her Or I guess the X Stuff to hit her Um Experience or whatever, but like, and she, uh, used the powers anyway, and she used them for good in a world, and I guess in her world, a world of corruption and just really shitty government people, um, and she uses it despite that, and in spite of, like one of my favorite panels of all time is when she. First, gets the powers, and she first does the beginning thing, and then she says that like long lines, of, like she was chosen for this, like, um, uh, like this is why I'm doing this, something like that. Um, and with Captain Marvel, I'm sure it's the same in the comics of like they have this immense like power, and they have to protect those weaker. Yeah, and then they with Monica as well. All of the Captain Marvels, for the most part, are like super powerful. Yeah, and yeah, it's just it was a really like thing. I mean, are we? I don't think
1: there's anything else, though. So, well, speaking of the X chain we <laughs> delve a little bit more into that after stage. Sure, yeah. That's my point. Well, as a as someone whose favorite. Of Marvel is the an, X-Men. Avid X-Men fan. an avid expert. An avid expert. Um, uh, that was fucking amazing. Um, especially because it's Kelsey Grammer coming back as Beast. Who Kelsey Grammer as Beast is one of the greatest of comic book castings of all time. It was. It's also a great thing always when the person cast as the character is a fan first, like Iman. She literally dressed up as Kamala Khan back in like 2018 for Halloween. And Andrew Garfield, Andrew Garfield as Spider Man, Tom Holland as Spider Man, Um, Henry Cavill maybe, hmm? Henry Cavill maybe, Henry Cavill as Superman, yeah. Um, Charlie Cox as Daredevil, Um, all this stuff. But specifically, the big thing is Kelsey Grammer as Beast. Kelsey Grammer, before X-Men Last in 2006, he was already a super famous actor, Uh, especially like Cheers and Frasier and Simpsons. He was really popular. But Beast was the first role in 20 years he he would audition for. Because for the past 20 years, he would just be given roles and he'd accept or deny them. But Beast was the first role in 20 years at that point that he actually went and auditioned for because he wanted to play the character so much. Is how much he loved it and you can tell that in his performance in Last Stand is he is in my opinion one, probably the highlight of the movie with the exception of like Wolverine who he's always amazing and Storm is really good but like Beast is amazing in that movie and seeing him come back my dad and I loved it so much because the X-Men movies are art like we're, we're both big Marvel fans in general and my dad loves Spider-Man most of all but the X-Men, the X-Men have always been a big thing for us and that that's the thing we really love is collecting the X-Men and reading it, X-Men, watching the shows, watching movies, all that stuff. And so seeing this character return that both of us love, also a big thing is that uh, Kelsey Grammer's Beast was one of the last times we saw a genuinely happy, good Beast who wanted the greater good, whereas Beast in the comics right now is a straight up villain. So it's, it was nice to see that return to the Beast of the 90s that was in the animated shows. It was really nice to see that. And also just, they were in the X basement. The, the, the X-Men door was right there. The Otman theme. He mentioned Charles. like, And hopefully the fact that binaries there means that the Star Jammers are in that universe. which
0: is it. Yeah, because like, it's one thing to see Beast, but like I mentioned the theme. Be in the headquarters like to set that up and to like yeah to jump off of like uh, his dad really loves but Sp- like that's me too like I love spider-man most of all um, and I like ever since I st- like I like my dad would literally play the Toby movies when I was like a toddler and I would remember them like on the TV and stuff, and, and like I saw that amazing movies like in theaters. But anyway, like seeing with great power comes great responsibility. Ever like, cause obviously, Spider-Man. Part of being a Spider-Man fan and loving it most of all is like it sticks with you, and that um, that notion, of, like with great power comes a responsibility. And I see it in most other characters I see. <laughs> And like just just that he helps her, like he's is like wanting to help her. And it's like it's such a wholesome thing of like um superheroes who just the Marvel universe of like they just want to help each other and they just wanna help people. And it was like it was such a cool thing to see that return to form and um in my opinion I think is the Alternate um, future thing that happened at the end of is a future past. Yeah, um, Which would should be really cool because that, well, we,
1: we pretty much uh, know that they're gonna die <laughs> in Deadpool three, but it's it be that's another thing is this connecting to Secret Wars and like Deadpool three in that if the rumors are to be believed about Deadpool three, gonna Deadpool three will be Deadpool <laughs> kills the Fox Marvel universe. I mean. We, we obviously know Hugh Jackman's back as Wolverine and all of the Deadpool supporting cast with the exception of Weasel. Um, we know Jennifer Garner will be back as Elektra, who she hasn't played in 18 years. Which is it's crazy. It's terrible. Um, yeah. uh, but also there's rumors that James Morrison, and Halle Berry and Famke Jansen will be in it as Cyclops' story. Which probably means they get killed. But it'll be... It'll be it's sad to see those characters die because, like, the early X-Men movies, that was a big thing that I grew up with, was watching those, and that was my first introduction to the world of the X-Men. Um, and, yeah, I do want to see, like, fresh faces play the characters in the MCU, but it's it'll be sad to see those characters, like, fully die because, like, the last we saw of them was a happy ending at the end of Days of Future Past, and then we don't know what future Logan takes place in, and then... Different timeline as well for the apocalypse and Dark Phoenix and New Mutants, but like the ending of Days of Future Past, we see all everyone happy. We see Beast as a teacher. We see Storm and Jean Grey and Cyclops are together. Neither of them are dead. Kitty Pride still has her powers. Or, uh, Rogue still has her powers. Kitty Pride and Iceman are there, and it's it's which again Iceman is not so, so, but so. It, it'll, it'll be sad to see them killed off. Yeah. Probably. But it's. Maybe a couple of them will stay? I don't know. I mean, Kelsey Grammer's Beast could stick around. Hopefully. I
0: feel, I feel like not all of them will die.
1: Well, that's another problem. The thing with, like, casting characters for the MCU is the idea of age. Mm-hmm. Like, in the comics, these are. It's ink on paper. These characters you can do as many stories as you want for them with, for however long you want to do it with them. You just say it takes place in a certain time. Um, and they're always there. Like, T'Challa is on the Avengers right now. He's always going to be there. Whereas in the right. MCU, they killed him off, which I, I still think they should recast him, but it's it's their decision. They went with it. Um, but like, that's the thing of, like, they retired Iron Man, Black Widow, Captain America maybe Hawkeye and like Hulk and Thor are the only two original Avengers that are pretty much still active and like with Chris Hemsworth taking a break from acting for for a bit. I also think like Tom Holland. Spider-Man started in the MCU at 16 years old in Civil War and in the timeline he should be maybe 20 right now but Tom Holland soon enough will be 30, and it's like a thing of, these characters don't age with the actors that play them. Which is why, like, casting someone like Kelsey Grammer, who is in his 60s right now as Beast, to be in a long run for the MCU, you won't be able to do Beast forever. you will have to recast, so that's another thing is like, I think my friend, uh, friend brought up, is Pedro Pascal getting cast in Mr. Fantastic. Mr. Ma- Peter Pascal's almost fifty, and so having him play Reed, who will almost most definitely become a central fixture for the MCU, especially with Secret Wars. What uh, yeah, yeah. But especially with Secret Wars coming up, and how that's such a central Reed story. It's it's a thing of like these act these characters don't age with the actors, so you either have to eventually recast them or you have to get rid of them, which is it's always sad to see because. Eventually, the movies
0: will run out of characters, but the comics Yeah, and it's, um... Yeah, I mean, uh, is there anything Because, like... I guess... I don't know, because I, I... Is there anything else? Um, like, Marvels? Are sure.
1: I just want to say that Kamala's family was really good in the like, movie, too. They were really
0: yeah, good. they are really fun. Mm-hmm. I liked because that that was such a good thing in Miss Marvel, um, seeing that central story, the central family story, and um, our family has, like, it's been a mix of chosen and birth for me, like birth family and chosen family for me, and um, personally growing up, and like it's a thing of how, how much that meant me seeing, like, seeing the struggle, but also seeing that they, um, like, connect back to each other in the end, it's, it was a really cool thing to see that in the show, but then it's really, it was really interesting to see how that continued in the marbles, um, so yeah. It was like, that the quote I just told you.
1: Hmm? Critical role. Not all families blood, much family is chosen. Yes. Get that I quote, in Critical role. As a lot of yeah, and it's yeah, amazing. it's everything the marbles. Yeah, yeah, so review. I would give it seven out of ten lurking babies. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I would agree. Like a little bit, a little bit more, like 7.5-ish for me. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Ink on ink on paper. Moving on. Um. Uh. Not much for him, experience-wise, but for me, um, Five minutes at Freddy's meant so fucking much to me, um, like, seeing, um, these game characters, like, come from an indie developer growing this fucking franchise of game after game, and now finally, after years of development, how, um, the movie comes, and it's... Just like Logan was saying, Matthew Withered is what, like in his 60s now, probably? Yeah. Nah, he's that uh, almost. Almost. Just... Like, he's 50s. Um, yeah. For sure. Right. Uh, but yeah, Matthew Withered um, has, uh, obviously, spoilers. He's 52. Okay. That's not that bad. But yeah, um, Matthew Leather is Billy Mappin, um and later, Springtrap. Yeah, that was, that was very good, um, but I NAF fan would know that it happens instantaneous springlock failure, like, it first, like, it literally first your head, and then the fake eyes go to your real eyes, and then it, like, your neck, and then it's, and then obviously you start to cry, and then it goes to your, it's a whole thing, but... Uh, but yeah, it, it's I mean, from from you From like a non-avid fan like me What would you kind like, of you know, like I, going into
1: it yeah. as someone who Knew very minimal <laughs> stuff Like, I'd played the first Three games back In like middle school When that was the big thing Is like, oh, oh, check out these cool games And I'd watched like Markiplier, play like the of of the World Uh, games, and I knew I knew a little bit about the lore, like I knew the general stuff of William Afton Uh, the, as the purple guy and like sticking the children in the suits I knew the general like lore of that, the background between behind that but going into it as someone who practically had no fan connection to it really I just went to it because I thought it would be a cool movie to go with was, it ended up being really fun. Um, I thought it was it was a it was a good movie. Like actually, I wasn't expecting a lot. A lot. Like I knew I knew what I was going in for. I knew the general plot of the game, so I knew kind of expect. But still, going into it, it, it was it was fun. I had a I there were laughs. I per- personally didn't really get jump scared all that much. Just because I think again with the movie, it was supposed to be like a horror movie, but still, it's Five Nights at Freddy's, so it's kind of perceived as kind of a kid's game. I think they didn't want to make it as scary as it could have been, but I definitely do think that it was, people complain about it not being accurate to the lore, but when you look at the credits, Scott Cawthon was literally a writer on the movie. He had his like Neil Gaiman in pretty much all his projects had his hands inside it. So he controlled the decision. I'm like you're you're arguing with the creator of the entire universe. Like and he stated it's not meant to be in the same continuity as the games or the books, which is you know, for continuity, right? Yeah. And like I thought it was it was a well made movie that seemed to honor the games in a very well, good light. Obviously it made a fuck ton of money. So I I I quite enjoyed it as someone who really had no connection to it whatsoever. Yeah,
0: and it's like a it's a thing of yeah, I mean they couldn't some like not I don't wanna say fake fans, I hate using that word, but some Black of Berber fake fans thought it would be like DHS tapes, which are actually horrifying. And it's like if <laughs> you've seen them, right? Like, some of them? Oh, no? no. I think I'm showing, sure like, edits stuff. Anyway, um, made the VHS tapes, which show, like, the inner, like, mental torture of William and, like, the children, um, which wasn't gonna be this movie at all because the thing with, um, adapting this to a movie, which, I talk, this, I talk about this stuff a lot in... My writing for games class, but, like, I like filmmaking versus gaming, and it's a thing of, um, with gaming, you want the player to be, like, scared of every which way you turn in the nature of the game, and just, like, have runs. With the movie, um, it's, with movies in general, it's a thing of, like, emotion, um, and following the emotion... All the way through, and with this, it was Mike Schmidt who, in the games, is of course Michael Afton. So we were already following the emotion of that because we wanted him to find out from the from the jump um, that uh, Steve Raymond is William Afton. Um, with now that I'm saying that out loud, it's very much obvious. But <laughs> uh, and of course. Scott Cofton, the cheeky bastard But Raglan as spelling Like if you mix and match Steve and Raglan Raglan is spelled with an I Which if you put an A instead of the I there at the end It spells a never ending um, Which of course, as we know in the games Lillian really never dies um, Because it always comes back And yeah um. Which hearing that didn't feel like a cheap, like, pop out for a line because, like, yeah, this is it's his most iconic line, and he saw me fucking giddy as hell. Like I, <laughs> I lost my mind. Um, my favorite thing was looking over at you and Matt. Pat showed up. Oh, and some people didn't know it was him when he started talking. I'm like, how do you not? It's literally but Hey, that's just theory. His most iconic, like, is an iconic voice, and, um... I think they'll like, say breakfast is the most important thing of the day. <laughs> yeah, and I saw an edit of, like, food theory, which is very funny, but... Yes, shout out our man
1: Doug, who just wanted some appetizers. <coughs> dude just, dude just was there to get appetizers. Which,
0: I have no idea who Doug is supposed to be based on. He's
1: not based on anyone, he's just a dude. Really? Yeah, he's just a dude!
0: Um, that's fucking hilarious. <laughs> yeah, Doug. And, uh, like, it's... It was a cool thing of, like, I think... I, I don't know, I would love to just talk to Scott about this one day, but, like... If that was supposed to be a dig at people thinking that was, like, like an Henry or some shit... Um, just... <laughs> this is your Henry, the, like, clueless <laughs> lawyer guy...
1: Um, well, we were talking about this a bit ago after the movie came out. Is the theory that Mike Schmidt is isn't that Mike Schmidt is Henry's Henry's son? son with like yeah, I believe. Yeah, it, it, it makes sense, or at least yeah. Like they swapped the families. The families, in that well, after we got back from Nights at Freddy's, he <laughs> showed me the fucking hour and twenty-minute-long Matt Pat lore video. Ultimate timeline. Yeah. So like of course, Afton usually has the three children of Henry, Elizabeth, Elizabeth and yeah, his brother. Like the, the yeah, I know. Child Yeah, yeah, yeah. It. What, is that W? Uh, no, that's I, I, no, no, that's William. I, what I, I, I think just we'll is called. Yeah, we'll call him okay. Whatever, whatever his name is, and then um. Henry, of course, has Charlotte, is that
0: her name?
1: He has two daughters, I think. Yeah, well, they reverse it for the movie, if the to be believed, where um, uh, Mike has a sister and had a brother, and uh, there's just Vanessa, who's William's daughter.
0: Vanessa? Yeah. <laughs> a material I'm a girl. A material um, Yeah, I mean, I, I really like how they did that, because it adds... I think it fixes the original lore, actually, because with Vanessa being uh, William's daughter, it doesn't... it like dilutes the... Um, not dilutes, but I guess changes the thing of uh, Insecurity Breach with Vanessa being this random ass, like 20-something, who they brainwashed, who I think, according into Matt on the timeline, like... Clara Afton, Brainwashed, Um, William's robot wife. And I'm Her son. Just uh, the Crying child. child, yeah. Um. Who is supposed to be Gregory apparently in Security Breach. The yeah, Ups. that was a
1: the wild theory that there's fucking <laughs> that Clara robot Afton family. robot family they got the possessed or they've got the animatronic in Michael. They've got the still William in... what what form is he like a cybernetic virus? Yeah, from Help Wanted. Yeah, you've got this. Like, is it the spirit of Elizabeth possessing Vanessa? I think, and
0: then it's like the robot of Gregory, Gregory. who is supposed to be the crime. Um, which I don't know, <laughs> but I'm glad they did that. In they didn't do that in like. The movie, which also in the games takes a while, so they wouldn't. Have. Anyway, the yeah, guy with, um, with the family in the movie is a very interesting thing of, of seeing how William, like, had manipulation through just one person and how strong that was. Um, where. games, his manipulation is, like, spread out and I think they've fixed that in the movie where it's, like, it can spread out through person to person and I think that's done very well. It's, it's, I think, like, a good villain thing, a good villain trope that villains have um, in movies compared to, like, other mediums. But, like, Mm the manipulation is spread from person to person. I yeah, <laughs>
1: I think as I, uh, I guess, I, like talking about the movie, just as someone who like, no, no, like fan service moments for me, because like there really wasn't for me per se. But, like, just some of my favorite moments I found were was when the animatronics were building the fort with Vanessa, Mike, and Abby, right? Because like knowing that these animatronics <laughs> are kids it was both, it was very bittersweet to see that scene in that it's like, oh, these are animatronics who could murder all three of these people so easily in a second but what they really are, these are children These these are four kids, because Golden Freddy wasn't there these are four kids who found this girl who, even if at the time their motives for wanting to hang out with her were sinister in nature, because of what William had them believe with the picture of the wall. Um, they just wanted a friend. it just been the four of them, or five of them, if Golden Freddy ever pops,
0: ever shows up. Or what's his deal? Where does he chill? He, um, he basically, in the games, he has no endoskeleton. Oh, so he-,
1: he can't really move around. Oh, that's why he's like slumped in the back, nah, right?
0: Yeah, and uh, I think it's, I think the only reason that could happen in the movie, um, that I was a little, like, confused about that, is because, like, the soul was just, his anger was really strong in the movie. Um, Yeah, that's the thing I found, is, like,
1: before he goes to Mike and Abby's house, do we see Golden Freddy in the movie? I can't remember. Do we see his, like, suit in the back?
0: I think
1: we do, because I think it's a great shot. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, um, yeah, it was just, back moment, it was just bittersweet to see these animatronics who, they are just animatronics of a bear, a rabbit, a chicken, and a fox, but you can, in watching it, you can see that they're kids, they just want to play and have a great time, and I thought that that was a really well done moment, because... It it takes you out of the fact that we just watched these creatures murder a bunch of like this is after the theft, right? <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Gracie. <laughs> um. Uh. But yeah, it was interesting to see like after all these people have been murdered to see these <laughs> to see the animatronics just have a fun time, oh, and it was. It was really nice to be reminded of,
0: like, what was taken from these children by William. And fans complain about that scene, but I'm like, it shows the innocent nature yeah. of, like,
1: what you're seeing. <laughs> in, in my opinion, that's one of the most important scenes in the entire movie, is because it reminds you that these are just kids who were murdered by the psychopaths, the psychopath,
0: who, in the games, I'm sure they will explore it in the other movies, but who in the games is not just a psychopath, but just a really fucking broken man. Yeah. And, like, the guy got his son murdered by a an arrogant, um, an arrogant uh, older, like, son. And and got, like, like, got his ideas stolen by Henry, like, just had the, like, kicked out of it mentally and
1: emotionally. Yeah. Well, I think it, that's something they may explore in the movies, which would be very interesting to see just put on screen. But, just coming at it from... <laughs>
0: hey, Let's go!
1: <laughs> just coming at it from, like, a um, perspective watching the movie, it seemed like they were going more of a route of, this dude is just evil. He's like, it's posed in the... I'm, I'm sure what they could reveal in of race 2 is like that Vanessa wasn't his only child that there was something that happened that caused this but like I've, I think I think that would be a good thing to do is like you set up in the first movie it's like it's similar what they to what they did with Loki um but just not as redemptiony and more like you introduce this villain well not even Loki because he was a tragic villain from the start but like uh, let's say Thanos. Say Thanos in Guardians compared to Thanos in Infinity War. Um, if you look at William Afton like that, when Thanos first introduced in Guardians of the Galaxy, he's supposed to just the Mad Titan. He's a dude who likes killing. He's guy at the top of his power. Yeah, like that. He's a guy who just likes killing, likes doing what he does, and rules with an iron fist over shit. Um, but by the time of Infinity War, we find out what his entire purpose is being. Which he wants he he wants there to be balance in life so that nobody has to go hungry, nobody has to die for an unnecessary reason. Um, and I think that something like that with William Afton would be good in that introduced in the first movie as a liar, a manipulator, a murderer. Something like that. But then as we develops we see
0: That may be a bust or something.
1: Okay. Um <laughs> Is we see in the later movies we see why he got to that point. Not not necessarily have a redemption arc for him, but just have a explanation to the background that kind of subverts the the general audience's expectations after the
0: first one. Yeah, because like at the top of the movie and at the like at the top of the games, he is just this evil dude like just uh, murdering children and then. After he becomes Springtrap, and after you see all the- in the mini-games I guess that's- that's how they do it in the games The lore and stuff In the mini-games you see all this stuff that happened to him And, um, it's like And then you start to feel for him and, like, wish he wasn't this angry And because he can't let that go because all he is, is this super angry soul over everything that happened, I like, can't change. Um, and he did murder children and all that, and that is unredeemable. But and he isn't a redeemable character. You just you just start to wish he was out of that suit. Um, it's it's kind of like
1: David Tennant's per- uh, performance in Jessica Jones. Mm-hmm. This is a dude who is morally reprehensible. Talking- in every (laughs) single thing he does. Kilgrave is the worst person to ever be created in Marvel. But in the one scene near the end of the season where um, he's talking about his backstory with uh, his parents, David Tennant's brilliant performance makes you almost feel bad for him. And yet, you think it's like, no, this is the dude who physically sexually, verbally abused Jessica Jones for like a year, and she had no idea it was going on, and yet he managed to make you feel bad for him.
0: Yeah, it's like with, with William, this is the guy who murdered child after child, one of which, um, circus baby Henry's daughter, Elizabeth, uh, more brutally than every other than any other kid because he wanted to make it hurt, he wanted to make Henry hurt and Henry's the guy who stole William's ideas who would creatively backfire against William like, just time after time, and <laughs> and uh, like, he just and he sat back and was like, I just killed somebody's daughter, and he just couldn't And he got a taste of that, and he couldn't, like, let go of that hurt that he inflicted on another. And he just kept hurting Henry, and by a proxy, by these other kids, and um, by tanking the business. And it was such a, it's such a satisfying, like, villain thing to see that same man, like, burn in his own creation in the same building that he wanted to bring down, um, and to see that they're doing the same thing, and the movie was a very good thing, to see that how um, how he went out, how he's still angry, um, and how is Golden Freddy the same, which is different from <laughs> In the in the games, it's like isn't it quoting pretty girl in the yeah, games? Yeah,
1: it's Charlotte. Yeah, well, it's it's like almost the way you like describe William. There, it's like um, the quote of you became the very thing you swore to destroy. The Star Wars quote. He sought out to basically get revenge on Henry because it, correct me if I'm wrong. He partially blamed Henry's suit design for the death of his son. Right? Yes. And so it's like he almost became the thing he swore to destroy. He hated Henry for the malfunction, the suit that caused his son to die. But in doing so, he went and killed another man's child and caused that same pain he didn't want to happen to him on another person. Which even if it was indirectly Henry's fault that it happened, no one should have to go through that as well.
0: It's um, it's a good thing of I consider one to six the canon thing. So I like ignoring security breach and stuff like that. But the Henry speech at the end of six, which I hope I don't know how, I don't care how long they cram like I don't care how many movies they have to cram stuff into. You want the I need that ending. The depths <laughs> of hell. I need that ending, <laughs> and it's the thing of like that needs to happen because it's him actually burning in his own creation and his own like torment and Henry finally um, burning with him but not his own torment his own freedom um, with his with his death and him killing him and him killing himself in that right in that same restaurant um, and him also killing Michael because Michael is just a walking like reminder of like what like had to happen and stuff. Um, and just he's a walking life, he's a walking corpse and he can't. All he wants, all he has is pain, just like his father. And he can't let go of that either. And then I and that saint let all that burn down. Same building, and yeah, it's uh, it's. I really hope because Henry is like he is my father. It's pretty. the same guy in the TV, like who looks like, just like the guy in the flashback. It's 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 all but confirmed. It's all but said
1: in <laughs> words at this point by the creators. Like it would be at it would be honestly if they w- didn't do that. If it would. <laughs> It would be a vast, like, betrayal to me be, because it would be the perfect thing that either they would have, they would, if they didn't go with that, Micah's Henry's son, um they do something of. They have to introduce Henry in a completely separate way and make it a good grade. But, like, it makes perfect sense that he would be because, like, why would William target that family and kidnap? Why would he be confused
0: about shit? Yes. Why would, yeah.
1: Why would he kidnap the one child of this random family? And when seeing the name Schmidt, I mean, you don't have to have Henry's last name be Emily, have it be Henry Schmidt, or something, or just have, like, an he, alias. Yeah. An al- he changed his name to Schmidt to escape from uh, William, but William found that out. It's so like, how do you explain William's reaction to the last name of Schmidt? Outside of, oh, I realize this is the brother of the kid I kidnapped. But even then, like, you wouldn't have that same reaction of not only that, but also his reaction of going over to the coffee cup, to the coffee station to, like, hide his reaction
0: from it. Yeah, and it's, it's a it was a very good thing of seeing that that name gave him so much anger, because he, after he was, Right, which was unfortunate for me because I really liked the phone guy. <laughs> R.I.P. Yeah, rest in peace. Um, because that's actually supposed to be ah, It would have been a cool cameo actually if he's Scott But Speaking of cameos, Marco Parker. Yeah, he was supposed to be the security guard in the beginning,
1: which okay, kind of would that have been like the security guard from Snap too?
0: Is that what they were supposed to be a reference to? Maybe. Um. But yeah, I I, don't whether, I wouldn't have liked that because I wouldn't have wanted to see my see my boy die. But I, in Fanaf, who I would really like to see him be either the phone guy or um, yeah, like a security guard, the security guard. Um,
1: just ha- just just have him be another waiter at Sparky's and just build up the YouTube the YouTube crew at Sparky's. Well, I mean, like, the Employee of the Month thing was all, um, like, YouTubers, right? And then they left before they could
0: die. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And went to Sparky's. (laughs) That's, oh my god. Um, But yeah. New Headcanon, that's where all (laughs) the That's where all they went. Um, but yeah, with, what was I? Yeah, with the phone guy and then he just He sits there and just, like, patiently waits for... And he expects Mike to die that first night. And then he doesn't. To be real honest with you, Mike, your options are severely limited. I just like how he said about life. Yeah. And he, like... He has such a... He's playful before that, but then after he knows that he's Henry's kid, he's Henry's son, he has this serious, like, anger to him and like force of like I need him to be gone. Mm-hmm. Um cause I guess he already thinks that Henry's dead Anyway. It just well, it just adds to the um
1: to the portrayal of William as a psychopath is how playful and kinda helpful and happy he is as Steve at the beginning of the movie. Like uh he's joking around with What's the pay? Not great, but... The The hours hours are are worse. Like, it it adds to that level of... This is a psychopathic serial killer who, at this point, has murdered at least six children. The the five animatronics and then um, Mike's brother. He's murdered at least six children. And who knows how many other... And by proxy, so many other people from the animatronics. Like, we see... Mike's best friend, literally the bite of 2000.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and it's, um, it was a very cool thing of just, also, you know, just kind of a sentimental guy, I guess, (laughs) and, like, it's such a, it was such a good portrayal there of just, and then later, seeing him in the spring body suit, having that freedom, and just hearing the, "Uh become, like, the fucking psychotic laugh that he has. And it's um. I, out to the practical animatronics, here. yeah. And I, I don't know if Spring Bunny was, but that would have been cool. I think
1: it was. I think Foxy was the only one who wasn't. It'd just be like Foxy, wasn't actual. Yeah, Foxy you can't actually like from the looks of him can't actually be
0: inside. Because of how stripped down Yeah, and um, um, I really liked that portrayal and seeing, um, seeing how terrified Mike was like um, knowing that like yeah sorry no I was just thinking about the yeah <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah seeing how Duran like was seeing how like he just nonchalantly killed his daughter well unquote um, and then put her into a coma hmm? put her into a coma. yeah and then the post credit scene uh, well like fucking balloon boy yeah, <laughs> but seeing Cory was great. I really, I grew up with Cory and stuff, and that was awesome. I would have liked to see, um, I'm, well, that something kind of wouldn't make sense, but, um, with the voice at the end, people are saying, I think it's Henry, because in the game, as we know, as we fans know, Henry would communicate in these very cryptic, Phone messages, the very cryptic mini games, and ways of communication, and it could be him. It could be Mike's brother, Garrett. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you're back. Oh, hi, (laughs) guys. Hello. Hello. Um, And yeah, Mike's brother Garrett was very uh, like like it was a central figure, and yeah, obviously, William wouldn't be mad at a, like, fucking five-year-old, uh, kid, he would be mad at the father, and, you know, I just really like that story, and I, maybe, I hope that the next one could be Sister Location, because the way that they could do Sister Location, since he's not Michael's father, is, um, it It wouldn't be that horrific anymore. It would be kind of a bittersweet thing of seeing, like seeing his his father, Henry's past work, and trying to find him, and seeing this, like these past designs, seeing that Henry just wanted to um, provide entertainment, and um, he was the pawn of this psychopath. um, in this ego maniac. And it would be a very good twist of the original game. And I think instead of this just a madhouse it would be like a just a house of just past things and like Henry could show up at the end or something. Is like yeah. the thing he said the That was gonna be my next question was where would you wanna see what do you want what would you want to see happening? The next one. Uh, in either that or he goes to the next location which has Mangle and all the different places which would just kind to be the same movie so I wouldn't want that
1: or even like a it could be like you do the time jump kind of and do what happens in Kinect 3 um, having, I mean, yeah. having Springtrap actually be essential uh, for yeah. uh,
0: yeah, because um, like sister location could have marionette and all those uh, very new faces in the lore. Like, and obviously as we again pretty much all but like, like marionette is probably Garrett, um, Garrett's soul, the puppet, and then of course that would end with uh, Mike uh, being scooped and entered, uh, entering him. And then the whole thing of him becoming uh well, the piece of a better Michael Acting for all sense of purpose. But yeah. Shout out Idomar. <laughs> yeah. He actually was pretty good, other than just no, no. <laughs> One of my favorite little like
1: acting details he does is at the end of the movie when Abby's like, Can we both go back to visit them? and Mike just like he just does not like, and things like, what? You just you just watched Vanessa almost get murdered. You yourself almost got murdered. He's still there. Yeah, he... William is still there in that back room. You want to go back
0: there? Like, bitch. Which, like, implies that they're going to go to a new location. And I'm very, I'm very excited for that. And obviously, it's made enough fucking uh, money or make that. <laughs> or here's the question: Do they do
1: something from the games, or do they do a completely new story? <laughs> <No, laughs> I mean, um, what's what's the name of the the knockoffs that uh, Henry made with the the
0: frog I, and the? No, because that's what I'm saying of like the, the Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like,
1: um, what are what are they called? Uh, my,
0: Fred, Fred Bear?
1: No. I, I, I like it's like the knock. It, what is it? It's like the the hippo and the. Alligator. Yeah, I just
0: forget the actual yeah,
1: name. Do something with them, but like make it an original story that ties more into Henry rather
0: than William, and then have William come
1: back in the third of the
0: screen. Yeah, or show the postcard scene, him waking up, and the whole place being like a whole time jump, and him being um, awake now, and just the whole. I think it was that it wasn't a VHS, but it was an animation of seeing that he just he says stuff like I hate everything. I wanna kill everything.
1: Mediocre melodies.
0: Yeah. mediocre melody like um and then he he hears something about um you know, on the news or something about local local uh father son reunion or something. And then that just enrages him then ends um, well, at least we know that Matthew Luder just signed on for
1: two movies. we know at least if they make them he's going to be in
0: two more fanatic so we know that and, yeah because what they could they could do that kind of specific location positive flip on it movie um, of him trying to find his father and this is all also hinging on the
1: idea that they bring Mike Schmidt back as the protagonist or if they go in it, Well, I mean, I guess I kind of have to resolve what's going on with Vanessa and see if she wakes up and so. so. they might have to wake back. But, like, that's, this is all hinging on the idea that he's brought back. But if, it, if they do kind of a thing where Matthew Lillard is the only central past figure, like, kind of have movies that are in the same series, but are, like, kind of their own
0: thing with only one connecting point... Or it could have, like, um, or that next movie could be an interconnected thing of Vanessa doing the actual evil social location and seeing what her father has done and tried to do, like, in the basement in the, um, with the tongue, like, assistance and was William Afton in the basement with the animatronics that would include. <laughs> um, and then, of course, the other side of that with, like, trying to find his father, Henry, being this positive, like, gleeful little look at childhood. Um, and then the third could be, um, I guess, much more of a time jump. And, like, it starts with the whole Michael trying to burn down the restaurant in FNAF 3. Michael. Lately! Michael, you dick! <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, he fails in the third game, as we know, and then it leads into FNAF 6. Um, and of course, 4 and, like, the other in-betweens don't really matter, wouldn't really matter in terms of a movie universe. So you can't really do a nightmare. And then and the other one is like, I forget what the other one Uh, the fifth one? Or, yes, yes, Location. Yes, yeah, just Location. <laughs> Which is the second movie. But yeah, it could, the opening could be like a fnaf breathing thing of showing him failing to burn down the restaurant, and then the other move, the whole thing, like skips with a time jump, and then it shows FNAF 6 where they're all led into this maze by Henry, and that whole thing, and them um, could be a thing there that... I really like how they built the set, they like made the animatronics. I can pull up Scott was there. Um, like the little Ness name tag at hat. Um never ending thing with Steve Ragland's name tag. Like little things like that really make me proud to be a member of the, my community. And it's just it's a really cool thing to see and yeah, I really loved the movie, and I <laughs> went as, like, Purple Guy, little, like, five, ten-minute cosplay, uh, um, yeah. and then, uh, yeah, crappy eyeshadow and everything, and then I <laughs> went, to this. and then we ran into,
1: like, everybody else on our floor at the show after we went.
0: Yeah, and it was, which was funny in itself, but it was also just cool to see other, like, even though they're our friends, like, just other fans. Just here to see like the the circus,
1: and it was just it was really cool. Yeah, I give it seven point five. <laughs> um, Spring locks. <and>, uh, <laughs> well, sorry. There's one the one more scene that I want to talk about before I, I gave okay. my rating is um the scene where Bonnie is trying to point out Mike. Um, <laughs> and the, there's the two theories of either Bonnie is trying to make Freddy Look at where Mike is, but Freddie is too enamored and it's like he is fucking jamming. And Bonnie's just like, dude, he is right fucking there. <laughs> or it's Bonnie trying to warn Mike. Because like, um, somehow Bonnie's not in murder mode, but Freddie and Chica still are. Bonnie's always been the under trial. I thought Bonnie was supposed to be like the most aggressive one because of how Bonnie
0: died. No, because then Bonnie um In the games, you kind of see how um, it's expanded in the VHS stuff and the interviews and whatever animations. But it's it's how she she sees the torture he. Her
1: she. My (laughs) bad. But yeah. yeah. Misgendering the animatronics.
0: (laughs) Damn. (laughs) He sees the torture of the other children. And he sees how like they're. Their pain is like how how his anger is so much more than theirs, and how he he talks to Cassie a lot, about Golden Freddy, and how their anger is like the same. And there's the whole there's another animation of like him saying that his anger like oh like you don't understand our anger, and then Golden Freddy just yells back like you don't understand my anger, and because. Older Freddy's right? the most aggressive one compared to Bonnie because Bonnie just wants, like, the free, little Yeah, Bonnie just wants to free his other like brothers and sisters, and then, um, yeah, then mm-hmm. he just sees William. Like he sees like, and then he sees the pain of William it right? mm. Yeah,
1: that was a scene I just want to talk about was I'm funny. And Bonnie was just like, "Oh yeah." So I shall give it. What what am I rating this on? Um, I'm gonna give it seven and a half. Best friends bitten in half out of uh, ten.
0: Yeah, I, I I would give it like fucking like nine out of ten just because some of the uh, our friend Eden would put, I think that's what you, but she would she was saying that the CGI looked a little weird the cut on Carl. Cupcake. The cupcake's name is Carl?! Because it's a thing in, um, the games, because it's supposed to, like, his Carl is who?
1: <laughs> also, is the theory that the cupcake is the dog? Is that ever been confirmed, or is that just still a theory?
0: I think it's. That's just a theory. I think that's just a theory. <laughs> okay. Um, but yeah, uh, because, because Carl's really the name of. Yeah, in the case. Okay. So it gets.
1: I think. I think it's it's weird nowadays that CGI is still a little janky on things like the Marvels. It wasn't always perfect. Beast looked good, but there were some angles where he was a little he was a little janky. But like, it it's just a, a thing of like pay VFX workers more, pay them better, treat them better. Hopefully, it's like. That was the entire thing with ant-man is that they swapped the marvels and ant-man and the vfx artists on ant-man had so much less time to work on it and that's why it ended up looking kind of shitty but like you compare anime because studios have become so reliant on vfx um now instead of having you there to just enhance stuff yeah. that like um They've decided to rely on it too more so much and haven't been treating their artists well. Like um, I, my go-to example is Davy Jones in the Pirates of the Caribbean movies. That was 2006 and the animation on Davy Jones is in my opinion, if not the best CGI animation effects that have ever been put to screen. The details on his face, and this is 17 years ago. Compared to She-Hulk last year. it's coming from someone who liked the She-Hulk show. The animation was not good. So yes, pay your VFX artists more. Disney. Blumhouse. Bob. Bob. (coughs) You're kind of a dick. You're such a dick. (laughs) Yeah, you're really much of a dick but you are in charge of putting out like two of my favorite franchises. So So please just the treat better. the actors better There's now a deal in place for the next three years Please, treat them better Treat the effects artists better Support your unions
0: Yeah Yeah, so I think that's, that's Yeah, I think so Um so Yeah, is so there anything else you want to plug
1: Um I think that's pretty That'll come up soon Uh, what do I want to plug Uh mm-hmm. Go read Mood Night by Jed McKay,
0: it's really good. Yeah, and I think that's... Um, about it. I have a lot of projects on YouTube if you want to, I've been, that's kind of why... Don't watch the impression videos. No, don't do that. Um, watch my recent short films, all those. I mean one. Yeah, um, which I submitted that one to the... Uh, I think Film Showcase on Ontario something? The last so. appearance of my favorite
1: hat. <laughs> I'll get I'll get a new one. Rest
0: in Yeah, I, I left my hat in the Um, but yeah, I that's kind of what I've been doing for the last month and a bit. That's why I haven't been doing these. Also because our schedules have been intertwined. Um, but yeah, that about wraps up. This won't last long. This has been. It lasted for two hours. This has been Michael and this has been Logan. Shake and sick. Bye-bye.